Okay, and we are live, folks. Hi, this is uh, the Robcast BCS. We're on episode four. Today, I'd like to introduce my special guest, Alex. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I am Alex. He is Alex. He is Alex of Gonzalez. All right. Alex, uh, just a bit of an icebreaker here just to get the ball rolling. I wanted to go ahead and discuss a topic with you that you might or might not be comfortable with. Uh, are, are you ready? Sure. Okay. So do you piss in pools? <laughs> uh, yes, I have. He has pissed in pools. Okay. Yes. Well, I feel like everybody has. Okay. Yeah. Everybody pretty much pees in pools. If you're out there and you say you don't piss in pools, that's because you're a liar. Yeah. How often do you think you pee in pools? I wouldn't say every time, but majority probably. All right. It's hey. just so much easier, dude. Yeah. You um, got to get out the pool. Then you're all wet and you got to go inside. Yeah. All right. I feel like depending on the vicinity of where you're pissing in the pool uh, determines what type of person you are. I'm the type of guy that'll pee right there with you and you might feel a warm spot. Yeah, I would definitely not do that. Okay. I make sure I was away from everybody. You know, you know why I do it though. What? Okay, because a- animalistically, I'm claiming you as mine. <laughs> you're my friend, Alex. I'm gonna pee on you. So you're just marking your territory. Pretty much. I mean, I, I mean, dogs do it whenever they mark their territory, and, and they make sure to do it pretty frequently. I'm, I'm not gonna pee on you every day if that's what. I don't think comes dogs piss on other dogs. I think they might if it's a sign of uh, authority you know, intimidation factor. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to get that out of the way. I think it's going to be a reoccurring theme here on the show. I'm just going to ask people if they pee in pools and, uh, and why they're a liar if they don't pee in pools. <laughs> Cause some people have the decency, I guess they go to the bathroom outside of the pool. And I feel like that's not true. Most of the time you're going to, you're going to take the piss in the pool because it's kind of a, a hassle to get in and out of the pool because you're all wet and sopping and then you got to go inside and you're dripping everywhere and you don't want to be that guy yeah especially kids too yeah i mean kids will will, will poo in pools <laughs> will shit themselves in pools at what age do you think that stops i think it stops after you've uh, your parents have beaten that into you that you cannot pee and well not pee but you can't at least pee that you cannot shit in pools because that's that's a unnatural yeah. What about pooing in the shower? Uh, well, what's your uh, what's your view on that? That is nasty. I would never do that. You wouldn't do it? I mean, you, you don't feel like it's a chore to get out of the shower and you're dripping all over the place and maybe even slip and, and you're just you're trying to get to the toilet because I don't know how far the toilet is from your bathtub or shower. Well, mine is right next to it. Yeah. But I would always make sure I go before I take the shower. Okay, but to say you're taking a shower and then you suddenly get the urge because, you know, beforehand you're trying to get that morning shit out of the way. You, you just happen to, like, get the rumblies after your, your mid-shower. You've cleaned yourself really good. Just washed your hair and it hits you. Yeah, just washed your hair and it hits you. You're about to get out of the shower. That's how prepared you are. But then the shits come. Yeah, that's never happened to me. That's never happened to you? No. Well, you are a fortunate soul. I'll tell you that much. Let, let's, uh, let's move on to our next topic. So... I wanted to discuss how do you become friends with someone? Like, I, I mean, you, you feel, I don't want to say a c- attraction, but maybe more or less a connection with someone. And you feel like you, you want to chill with that person. It just depends on the situation. Like some people you can meet and you just catch a vibe with. 
and yeah then you end up hanging out more and more and you know getting each other's phone numbers and a whole friendship develops out of one time meeting okay but how do you approach someone at requesting their number and not come across as a creep I would say just act natural. Like, don't try to force nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, just be like, hey, I think you're really cool. And, you know, we could catch a good vibe or something. You know, if, if you Take want, notes. we could uh, exchange numbers and we can hang out some sometime more. Okay. Yeah. I'm the type of guy that just hangs out with you until eventually you, you give me your number. Oh, so you just show up? <laughs> yeah, I just kind of linger around like a weirdo, sort of, because I'm an awkward guy. I can be an awkward guy. I'm, I'm very uh, socially aware of myself, but I can be an awkward person, and then eventually you're going to give me your number. So what's a good time to ask for the number? Would it be like the first time meeting somebody, or would it be you know, I feel like you second, have to, third time? I feel like you have to build a repertoire with someone. You have to uh, hang out with them a few times. And, you know, get them to really like you and your personality and stuff because you can come across as a jerk to somebody pretty quickly. It takes about a few seconds for someone to decide what they feel about you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. So I feel like once you're close enough, then you should be able to approach them and ask for a number. And and hopefully, you know, it's a success. And you're able to get that number and then schedule a meetup, whether it be going to get something to eat, maybe watching a movie, you know, you're both kind of hyped for or anything else maybe you're into music and there's a concert that you know that's coming up so then you're both going to go do something you like together and just being together is going to be a good time and you know it is because we're we're social beings we like being around each other i mean some of us can say we're anti-social but you still need that social aspect somewhere here and there oh yeah i always feel like you start to lose yourself whenever you're by yourself for too long yeah i mean being alone is good it's uh, good for your mental health, but then when it comes down to needing human interaction, you need it. You need it when you need it. So how do you define when you're a friend with someone? And I mean like a really good, like I mean a best friend. A best friend? Yeah. At what point in time do you know that that's happened? And how do you know that they know that, hey, this is this is a really good friend. This is somebody I need to keep around. Uh, I'd say when you make plans like one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Like that person goes out of the way to ask you to go out to eat. Okay, so you're not the one initiating it every yeah, time. Yeah, and it just kind of defines that they also care about you and the relationship that y'all are building. All right. Now, do you have some moments in your head of um, times whenever you know you, you know you got a best friend you know, for life or something? Well, I really feel like living here. Mm-hmm. Like Jennifer and Haley both have gone out of their way to, to welcome, help you welcome me into all their friend groups. Yeah, and I feel like I've fit in pretty well and now i'm becoming friends with all of their friends yeah yeah and it's really cool to see it's a beautiful little thing when when you that's how me and you met i mean that is how we met which was pretty nice you know alex came across as just straight out of high school guy and i definitely got like a sort of a, a jock feel from him like you can tell like that someone was into sports and they excelled in that area you admire that to a certain degree because of their athleticism I don't know. I think that's what made me want to like become closer with you as a friend. Uh, we got ourselves uh, another guest here. Kyle is interrupting. He's just walking around, throwing away something, grabbing something from the fridge. He's looking around. Probably going to grab a beer. Being really loud about it. He was supposed to be a part of this episode, but chose not to be. One of my oldest and dearest friends. Technically, he's still working. Uh, I have a third mic if you if you want to hook up, Kyle. So, 
Yes, I do. Okay, fine. It's in my bag right there. We just need to set it up. All right, looks like, well, folks, looks like we're going to have our first three-person podcast. I'm really excited about that. Yes, they are Audio-Technica headphones. Is this going to be your first three-way, Rob? This will technically be my first three-way, my first uh, consensual three-way. There have been a few times where uh, Chris and Kyle have uh, double-teamed me. Hmm? Do I just need that cord? You need that cord, and then you need the XLR cord, which should be in there as well, or in one of these little baggies. Alrighty, folks, and we're back. I got Kyle hooked up. He is our first ever third guest on the podcast, or second guest. I mean that in the way that uh, we got three mics hooked up right now, and we're rolling. So let's get back to the topic at hand. Kyle, whenever you came across uh, Alex for the first time, what did you first think of him? You didn't like me. I already know this. I I didn't (laughs) think he was Mexican. You didn't think he was Mexican? What, What race did you think he was? I don't know. I feel like it's racist to say. What? I mean, Black? Let's just say it. Indian for sure. Like the... Or like, I don't know, uh, Saudi Arabian. Arab? So I thought he was like Saudi Arabian, you know? Uh-huh. Like his family owned. Gas station? No. <laughs> oh my goodness. A gas station. What else do Saudi Arabians own in terms of, you know, stereotypes of stores? Convenience stores? Hotels. Hotels, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like cheap smoke slash vape shops. Oh yeah, yeah, very lousy. They sell vape to all shops. the underage kids. Yeah, they sell to underage kids, and usually their vapes don't even work. Very true. Just cheap stuff from China. I've been burned a few times from those places. Uh, I would get something, it'd last a few hits, and then it'd just die out. And uh, you know, there's no refund on that. You know, it's like a all sales are final type of thing. Uh, getting back to Alex the Jock. Alex, you, you want to Is that going to be the in? title of the episode? It might be. It might or might not be. It also might be Alex Peas and Pools. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Kyle, just... ask him. Oh, so Kyle, a running theme here in the program has been, do you piss in pools? Like swimming pools? Swimming pools, yeah. Swimming pools, oceans, lakes, tanks, body of water. Yeah. You do? Yeah. Now, how often and how close to other people would you say you do this? Oh, I'll do it mid-conversation. It mid-conversation, really you'll, me. you'll no. be staring me in the eye yeah. and pissing right next yeah. to you. Yeah, well, you'll never know. And I'll never... Well, I mean... It, you don't make a face? A, nope. You see, I, I don't, I th- I don't I think don't I can get away up, with that. I don't even ask the question, is the water warm or nothing? What I'll, if you get that, like, that little shake? That like, you know, that little... When you pee? Well, if I'm in a pool, I'm not going to hold it that long. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I feel like it's always a chore to get in and out of the pool because you have to kind of semi-dry yourself off and get into a bathroom and then you're dripping all over the place and it, you're, you're just being a nuisance at that point. Yes, yeah, 100%. Okay. And anyone who says they don't pee in pools, you're a liar. I mean, they put chemicals in them for a reason. Right, yeah. right, right. I think that's what gives pools their signature smell is a mixture of the pee and the chlorine. The chlorine trying to fight the pee. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it really doesn't even take the pee out. It literally just like stays in there. It just gets filtered. Yeah, I mean it doesn't. It does the best job that it can. Just so everybody else don't get infected. <laughs> I think I think it's mostly just for the smell. Like chlorine mm-hmm. is like specifically for algae, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, I myself have actually gotten a skin infection type of fungus from being in a pool in Honduras, of, of all places. It was a big old fungus that was on the my, not inner thigh, but my outer thigh. And it grew and it got all weird and, and the skin peeled off 
it was just it was really gross and i had to take antibiotics for about two weeks and then it cleared up sounds like that ph balance was off yeah yeah it might have been it was a fun time though i had a lot of fun times and uh Honduras and uh, Central America. Anyways, so um, recapping the episode so far, we discussed friendship, how one becomes friends and requests another friend's number, and then how do you know you're best friends with someone? Kyle, you got any input on that? Say that one more time. So how do you know you're best friends with someone? Like, Like when's the moment you realize... This is a keeper. This is a keeper? I don't, I don't think it works mm-hmm. quite like that. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, like, you know they care enough about you to go out of their way to help you. Probably, you know, take apart your PC, install a new CPU cooler that you don't really need, and turns out you, you didn't need it after all. Right. So it sounds like you answered that question yourself. But I'm asking, uh, when do you define friendship like that? Like a strong friendship, a bond? Uh, probably like that. Whenever you find the other ones like pretty reliable, uh, someone you can depend on. Yeah, definitely someone mm-hmm. you can depend on. Ride or die, almost. I guess it's got to evolve to that point, but yeah. Okay. I mean, like I said, I just you know some people define friendship in other ways. I feel like it comes down to someone who's willing to go out of their way heavily for you. Yeah, it's like coworker relationships, you know. You hang out with coworkers all week long. Probably see, end up seeing them more than your family, but mm-hmm. you know, like as soon as the weekend hit, yeah. So Goodbye. Long. I mean, that's kind of how school friendships are, though, in a way. I mean, you go to school every damn day, and maybe you go to the same classes every day, but at the end of the week, you're gonna hang out with your real friends. True. Very true. And I mean, you can see them for years, day in and day out, but then there's only a certain amount of people you're gonna go out of your way to hang out after high school with. Yeah. I mean, technically it doesn't really apply since we all went to the same school, mm-hmm. but yeah, in most cases, I'm sure that's how it is. Right. Okay. Let's see. Another topic idea that I had, Alex, what was it like moving from a small town? I'm assuming double, triple, maybe even 10 times the size. Well, I mean, it was scary, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I came up here for college, so you kind of expect that. Right. Especially from a small town. Like in the small town, you kind of know everybody. You know, you go to HB or Walmart and you see five people that you know and say hi to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I came up here, like, I didn't know anybody. So you like, didn't know a soul. And yeah. That's kind of a scary anywhere experience. anywhere and not see anybody you know. I could definitely see social anxiety coming in to play. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing because I feel like just in a small town you go and, like, you have to see anybody that's in there that you know and say hi to or whatever. But here, you're, like, you can just go in and out and not have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I myself, whenever I moved from a small town... I originally grew up in a town of about 8,000 people. So, yeah, you, you pretty much knew everybody, and everybody knew everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wording that weird. It was a really big transition to move to this town, and you know nobody. But people are really nice here. I feel like, you know, not just because they have to be nice, but people are generally nicer here. I feel like that has something to do with southern hospitality and such. It was definitely a huge transition for me. I really like the convenience of everything that is here in this town. You know, there's a shop for just about everything that you need uh, for computers, for your electronics, for your sports, firearms, and all sorts of different things. I mean, even though when I moved here, you know, Amazon wasn't that big. Now that it's massive, you really don't have to step outside your front door if you really don't want to. I feel like that is making way for people who are very antisocial, what do y'all think? 150%. You don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. I mean, tell someone that 50 years ago that you don't have to step outside the comfort of your own house, that you can literally have everything you ever wanted delivered to your front door. 
I mean, that's just incredible. And it's like the same price too. Like it's not that much more expensive. Yeah, it's even more competitively priced. There's like literally no reason you need to walk outside your front door, get in your car, drive 10 minutes down the road and go to a store when you can get the same price, if not a better price online. Oh yeah. yeah I'm sure if you did the math, you'd probably end up spending more in gas mm-hmm. in gas than you alone. would just having it sat on your front porch. I know I'm getting a little political here, but what are y'all's thoughts and opinions on, on owning and, and uh, having firearms? I'm all for it, 100%. Yeah, yeah I me own too. three, and I plan to own many more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I myself yeah. own two firearms, one that was given to me and one that I purchased myself at uh, Abel's uh, Guns. Just They're not sponsored by us in any way, shape, or form, but I did want to shout them out because they're a great uh, firearms seller in uh, Huntsville. What was the new law that got passed in September? Was it open carry? I don't know. I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask that question. Yeah, I believe it was open carry, so pretty much anyone can have a gun on them at all times. They just, you know, it has to be visible. And you won't get in trouble for it. I mean, it, you know, depending on the store, obviously, they might not let you have a gun on you. But Well, yeah, like you can't walk into a movie theater with it or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go down to Walmart with an AR-13 strapped around my chest. Grocery shopping for some milk. Might be part of the reason why most people are just getting it delivered to their houses. <laughs> they see yeah. Rob walking up with the AR-15. With the GAT, yeah. Just uh, locked and loaded. Safety always off. Right. My personal opinion, though, I, I'd rather not let anyone know that I'm carrying. I'd mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. just be like the unspoken, you know, not, uh, I'm not trying well, to fly I, I feel like the, the open carry thing is a deterrent to someone who would want to do harm or ill will on uh, unsuspecting people because they see that there's someone else with a gun here. I mean, that paints a target on your back, but they recognize that you're a threat as well and someone else could also get your firearm and retaliate against whatever the thing they're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I can see it like principle of it trying to deter a lot of criminal activity, but Mm -hmm, at the same mm -hmm. time, it's like you kind of subject yourself to being like the target and Mm -hmm. something, you know, awful happening. So I think regardless of the laws or what you can and can't do, you should get educated on it and just take the class anyway just to check that box yeah i mean i mean there's nothing wrong about educating yourself and learning more about firearms and the laws that come with it because you're responsible for every bullet that comes out of that gun it hits a fucking milk carton you're responsible for that milk carton that got busted you're gonna have to pay for that too yeah yeah in in a sense in a sense yeah i mean that's just one little minute law that that is in place you got to be mindful of, of what you're firing, where you're firing it at. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. So how comfortable are you guys at your jobs, like in terms of the knowledge that you have on the job site, and how comfortable are you with uh, asking for help, and and do you feel like you get a lot of help that's unnecessary, like in terms of of people that tell you stuff you already know, but you'd like to know something else, and they're not going to tell you? Well, me, I feel like I'm still relatively new to my trade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though you've been there for roughly a year, I believe. Yeah. They always say like the first year is more of getting the routine down. Yeah. Trying to figure out how everything works and start learning. Right, right, right. But um, it really helps out because I'm on a like a three-man crew. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot more one-on-one time. And okay. my boss really knows what he's doing. So yeah, he, so he's, he tries he's competent. to teach me a lot. Well, that's good. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I mean, I've been doing my trade for two years. Beginning of September was mm-hmm. two years, so yeah. And I'm pretty much at the point to where, like, 
in the depth of my personal job mm-hmm. at my company. Yeah. I know pretty much all the ins and outs and like, yeah, of course we'll have questions with like certain, certain things, but I know like the right questions to ask and stuff like that at this point i'm still just like soaking up information and stuff because like we have some people with a lot of experience in my field yeah and they know a lot more on the theory side branching that out into other companies they work yeah so i'm just pretty much trying to sponge everything up that i can just to you know build my resume just in case mm-hmm. at the end of the day we're always chasing the bread like what we do and, and be compensated for it you know justly Right, right. I mean, we're young. We're young. So mm-hmm. if you're not young and hungry, then you need to come to come to grasp with that and just get on the paper chase with everybody else. I mean, I mean, some people are complacent. I mean, they're okay with getting ten bucks an hour doing a bullshit job. Right, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we need ditch diggers too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no. I mean, that's never gonna go away. I mean, it's not like your job isn't important in any way, shape, or form. It's just that some people really want more, and and some people. Uh, are willing to educate themselves and learn what they need to learn and then chase that bag. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the the old phrase, just be the best you can be at what you want to be, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, just, if whatever you want to do, just make sure you do it, like, 100% and you have no problem doing it. Right. Well, I mean, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I feel like mistakes can be the best teachers. Mm-hmm. Because you know exactly what not to do. I feel like... You don't have to fail a lot at life to know what to do. You can see others learn from their mistakes and better yourself for it. Because, you know, people will tell you they've made mistakes and and they're willing to own up to it. Not everybody is as open as that. Those that are, you you definitely want to learn from them and just not have to go through something like that yourself. Right. I also feel like, you know, one of the great truths about like Mm -hmm. going into life and finding your career is like there really is no such thing as a wrong question or too many questions right because all that is gonna do is mold you into the employee worker that the company you know pictures you to be and so it it always just ends for the better in the most part i feel like most people especially out of high school don't know what they want to do whenever they get out kind of just are told their whole lives you need to pick something and you you need to you just chase it but I feel like you really don't know what you want to do unless you've gone through some shit jobs and then you realize something you like and then you want to get a job in that field. Right. Same thing for kids, young adults that come straight out of high school mm-hmm. and go straight into college. So yeah. another four years. So you just repeat going back to the classroom and then you get thrown out into the real world. I feel like that can be kind of humbling for most. Yeah. But like the best thing to do is just, you know, take it one step at a time. Don't ever get overwhelmed. The, the, the real world will hit you hard and it'll hit you real fast. Right. If you can manage passing your classes or, mm-hmm. you know, studying like... Get along bullshitting. Yeah, studying absolute, like a maniac all night long and whatnot, you're going to be fine out there. Yeah, you'll be, able, you'll be able to excel in the real world. Well, I'd say too, like, don't stress out too much about it because in a sense, everybody's getting thrown out into the real world at some point in their life. Right. You know, some may be more prepared than others, but we're all gonna go through the same thing at some point in our life just try to relate to everybody ask questions too don't be afraid to learn something new yeah of course any ideas for y'all's halloween costumes this october anything at all i wouldn't necessarily say i have much of a say in any of that situation so so mrs kyle gets to decide that yeah something like that is there gonna be a party and then are we invited that's like as in here (laughs) <laughs> well, as in a Halloween party. Oh, like... Uh, Unless you're going to go trick-or-treating. None that I've, you. like, personally heard of, no. not. But, I mean, I still think it's kind of early for planning a Halloween party. 
Well, actually. Oh, you are going to be gone. Yes, we're going to be yeah. gone. I didn't even think oh, about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, because you guys have a wedding you need to go to, huh? Yep. We will be in Austin, Texas, sir. All right. Well, you're in the California wedding, right? You can get in Texas. Yeah, that is, honestly. Yeah, like I mean, the absolute closest. The I can part of personally state. vouch for that since I was living in L.A. for about seven weeks. Yeah, uh, I visited Austin and have definitely seen the weird side of Austin and can definitely tell that it's a different environment than the rest of Texas. Right, right. So I, I wouldn't even call it the weird side anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure for the rest of my life I'm just going to call it the California side of Austin. <laughs> That's crazy, considering how far away we are from California. Well, not really. You can drive about two and a half hours from here and get your slice. <laughs> well, uh, I, I feel like when it comes to the states, you know, each one of them are a little different. By far, I think we're one of the, since we're one of the bigger states, we definitely have a very large mixture of cultures and political views compared to the rest of the country. I kind of don't get how that seeped over from California here into the Texas. Because, you know, this is like about as red as a state as it gets. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of, since we're on the subject of Texas, though, mm-hmm. how do you guys feel about talking to people out of state? And, like, they're like, oh, yeah, Texas, blah, 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 blah. And the first three cities that they always list off is, like, San Antonio, Houston, Austin. I mean, I just wonder from fellow Texans, does that ever, like, get you kind of, like, amped up, like, offended? Because it really started to wear on me after a while. Because we're categorized as three different uh, cities, essentially. Well, just living here and knowing what those cities are actually like. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, you know, hearing that, like, people who've never been to Texas, that's the only thing they've heard about. So that's what they want to go see. Right. I feel like those cities do kind of represent us, not necessarily in the best way, but they do represent us. Whenever people think of Texas, they think of cowboys, even though that's not really a thing anymore. Because that's from a bygone era. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, they think of the stereotypical y'all and yeehaw, generic stereotypes, the, the cowboy killer, uh, smoking guy, uh, the guy with a, just a big old wad of dip in his mouth with his big pickup truck. Even though that is Texas, I feel like it's, it's a bad stereotype that needs to kind of go away. Because there's a lot more people than just those types of guys. Those guys exist, not to the degree that you would think. Yeah, I really hate all the stereotypes. When they come in and they're like, oh, my God, I love your accent. Do you ride horses to work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness, yes. I mean, uh, Texas isn't just horses and the Old West, if you would believe it. We're a very advanced uh, state. I mean, that's why a lot of people from California are moving their businesses over here is because we have no state tax. That's so amazing compared to the rest of the states. They all have a state tax that pulls even more money from your paycheck. Yep. But we also have... A lot less rules when it comes to businesses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how many states it is total, but in the state of Texas, if they're paying you, like when you go on the road, they mm-hmm. don't have to give you any money. It's, they either have to pay you for room and board, which is like coming out of your wallet mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and they're just reimbursing you, or they like, you know, give you a set cap of per diem money. And then same thing with lunch breaks. Texas doesn't require any more than like 30 minutes a day even the, though you're working eight hours plus the overtime too ain't it like oh yeah there's no cap on yeah. the set amount of time a company can force you to work without having the right to fire you in the state of texas so. that necessarily isn't a bad thing but i can see why that can be a negative yeah the, the I, i'm sure that there's places i mean 
I don't know. You think about some of the big companies that have said, you know mm-hmm. what, we're moving to Texas. Like, it's not just because they can get away, with, or it, it's probably strongly because they can get away with it a lot more. We're such an industrial state, like definitely one of the key players that make up this nation. I think we have the second or third most populated state in the U.S. So, I mean, just we're just a powerhouse of energy, of commerce, of travel and trade and whatever else. Right, right. Highest number of guns per citizen, something like that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Back to you saying that Texas is way more advanced. Uh-huh. There's also a lot that isn't as advanced as some of the other states. All right, go ahead, shoot. So, like, back in, like, the small towns that I grew up in, you know, there's, like, maybe one, like, mom-and-pop grocery store, if any. And then, like, like you come to bigger cities like this, and there's grocery stores galore. Like, you can go anywhere and get anything you want. Well, I feel like, depending on the size of the town that you live in, in the state of Texas, I have more opportunities for business and employment. I feel like it's not very hard to find a job here in the state of Texas. Like, if you really want a job, depending on what it is, you're going to have a job. There's no real reason why people should be on unemployment, honestly. Yeah, 100%. Because the work's out there. You know, pe- there are jobs that need to be done, and people aren't doing them. Aren't they getting, like, robots and stuff to do that stuff now? Like, fast food workers are going to be, like, non-existent in the next few years? You see, I kind of have a fear of that, too, of, of robots taking over all the jobs. But there's going to be jobs made because of the robots so like there's people that need to work on the robots exactly yeah there's there's never uh i i I say that but it's going to be a very long time before there's never a need for humans yeah humans need not apply you ever see that video on youtube it's like the same thing with amazon like i 100 percent believe that within the next decade that we're going to have drones delivering our packages and stuff Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that like Delivery, mailmen, all that stuff's going to be, you know, non-existent. Completely obsolete. But there's always going to be the need for people to work on those drones and stuff like that. Especially if they're, you know, in a boom in business such as Amazon. Always going to yeah. be a need for... With, with the amount of miles that those drones are going to rack up, yeah, they're going to need parts that need replaced. Right, right. And we're not at the point to where robots are the most precise thing to do that type of work. I mean, there are like robots that, you know, do surgery and stuff like that, but those things are way too expensive and a human is way cheaper to teach and get someone to replace the parts and, and do work on maintenance on, on a robot. Right. Right. There, there just needs to be like stone cold evidence about something robotic being 200 times more effective than the human implementing on that i mean because robots don't complain they don't form unions you don't have to pay them anything you just got to buy the damn unit right right ai is ai you know ai could be the next union yeah i mean if they become as advanced and as human-like as us then i i could see a an uprising of need for robotic i guess rights where they want their weekends off too for whatever reason yeah, we're really getting into some future shit in here, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's things I don't think we'll ever see in our lifetime. But Oh, yeah, it'll be someone else's problem. See, I feel it'll like... It'll be like our great-great-great-great-grandkids problem. The, the, that, that's the problem with, I feel like, people, you're like, well, that's not going to be my problem. It's going to be someone else's. Yeah, exactly. Like, say you have a task. You're like, well, that's not my problem. That's future me's problem. <laughs> what a loser. What a chump. He has to work on whatever. Exactly. Like, I, I've been kind of concerned recently that mm-hmm. like our pages in the history books are just going to revolve around covid 
Oh, like, definitely. Yeah. So definitely. like, it'll, it doesn't matter like what happens between here and then. That's just gonna be what the kids learn about, you know, in their seventh grade American history class. Yeah, it's just the COVID. Maybe not the COVID decade, but the COVID years. Right. Right. It's like, gonna be a major point in history. Like to say like it's gonna surpass someone finding the cure for cancer. Like that's a little out there, but mm-hmm. it's a really good perspective on the. The depth of this pandemic has caused, and then the healthcare system as a whole, and how how reliant we truly are on just a handful of people to keep everyone healthy. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you guys think that there's anything out there that would top COVID nineteen, like in the history books that I mean, could happen? I mean, there's some scary stuff out there you know, deep somewhere in Africa, some type of weird germ that's mutating right now. That's probably three times as deadly as COVID with mortality rate of 70%. But, you know, there's people on top of that. There's people whose whole careers are based on getting that germ, uh, isolating it, and then making it a weapon of some type. Because anything that can be a weapon is going to be used as a weapon. Right, right. A human mind would probably instantly assume something powerful as that would could be used as would be or should be you know used as a weapon. You know, like our our parents and our uh, grandparents, they were afraid of uh, the atomic bomb, right? Like everyone was ready for the nukes to go off, everyone needing a fallout shelter of some type, and then having to deal with the aftermath of that. There's a quote that I think Albert Einstein said, he doesn't know when World War III is going to happen, but he knows that World War Four is going to be fought with sticks and stones. Uh, it's it's possible. That's yeah, crazy to think about, though. It's, it's, it's not, like, out there. Uh, but I'm more of the assumption that there's something going to be biological, some type of weapon, disease, virus, whatever have you, that's going to end up ta- taking out 70% of the population, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to clear clean house. It's definitely going to wipe out the population and there's going to be a whole new new era of just humankind in terms of uh, the advancements in technology. I don't know how many pre-war views are going to carry over. I feel like it's just going to be the same people that have the same prejudices and it's not like we're ever going to have a utopia that's right, unattainable. Right. It's like saying like, you know, those people you were talking about that are scared of, you know, the atomic bombs, like in our era, it could be people terrified of, you know, chemical bombs. Imagine COVID-19 20 times worse and nobody is safe, not just people with respiratory or the elderly, like yeah, any kind of those issues. Conditions. Exactly. Like stuff like that could be launched in the atmosphere. You'd never know where it was going to hit, mm-hmm. where it was coming from, and then it gets released into clouds and stuff and you breathe it in and there's like physically no outrunning it i think feel like there's always just going to be some great fear of something that fear i feel like is always good to have fear of your your own mortality which helps advance the way humans think and what we come up with because of the war the secret wars if you want to call it or the cold war because of that we ended up making you know, the computer chip and stuff, because we were in a constant competition with Russia to come up with the latest and greatest technology just to get one up on them. If you remember Ronald Reagan and his Star Wars program, he was trying to make satellites that could shoot lasers that could take out intercontinental ballistic missiles or whatever. And that was based on a fear, which, you know, advanced us in so many ways. 
Yeah. So fear is essentially just going to force us to evolve the but farther along we it go. It was probably the same thing with like 9-11. Like all the airport mm-hmm. security now is like through the roof. Like you can't get anything by them now. I'm not saying that 9-11 was a good thing. The outcome and the aftermath led to some good things, some more right. security. It was a wake-up call for America. Yeah, it showed them how easy it was to attack us. Yeah, I mean, for the past 50-some-odd years, 60 years, you know, we were an untouchable superpower. No one dared attack U.S. soil, and they were the first people to actually do something that shook the whole nation, and we realized we're not as invincible as we think we are. Or we are just as vulnerable as the next guy. Yeah. Hardest thing about being on the top is getting comfortable. Complacency. Mm-hmm. Complacency. So I guess that's the word of the day. So um, today's episode was brought to you by the letter C. Uh, complacency, by definition, the act of being complacent. That was Rob's corner on the letter C. I feel like it's an episode of Sesame Street or something. We are not Sesame Street. We are in no way, in any way, shape, or form affiliated with Sesame Street. We do not want to get DMCA'd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please don't do that. I'm just a humble guy with a little podcast. And the Robcast. <laughs> with the Robcast with uh, little dreams and uh, a big idea. Or more like big dreams and a little idea. I don't know. Which, whichever one sounds better. Probably the little dreams. Big ideas. We've been getting way more political than I thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely didn't want the show to get political, but it did. And that's okay, because this show didn't really have a purpose. Like I said in the description of my series, a podcast I made because I was bored. How do you feel they're going so far? I feel like episode one is a really strong episode. Episode two is very weak. Cody and myself were definitely not on our game. I was sick at the time with my appendicitis that I didn't know about, which I thought was just simple constipation. And we would just discussed movies. Uh, I named the episode Cody the Movie Buff because he couldn't think of any movies, which was hilarious in my opinion. But episode two definitely redeems itself with episode three, where Cody and I go into detail about Halloween, cars, and some movies. Not, not too much heavily movie motivated. But we cut up, we have jokes and laughs, and it's in the hospital right after my appendicitis little escapade or ordeal dilemma. It's a strong episode. It's actually my favorite episode so far. I mean, one was a good episode, uh, definitely something that brought to the table what the show was going to be about, just friends cutting up. But episode three is definitely the highlight so far. Have you listened to the episode, Carl? I listened to Rob and Eric's episode. That's uh, So far, that's the only episode I've listened to. I haven't listened to episode three. Or one, it's, this is episode four? Yes, this is episode four right now. So, yeah, so three was Eric, so two or one, I have not heard. No, three was not Eric. One was Eric. One was Eric. And two and three have been Cody and myself. Okay, so I've listened to one, not two and three. Mm -hmm. Being that we're about to enter the months of holidays, what Mm -hmm. is y'all's favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Okay. Hands down, Thanksgiving. You like the feast, yeah? Yep. I like the food, and you don't have to converse with your immediate family for very long. Y'all are just pretty much there to pray and eat, and then you go home, and you nap. I feel like the prayer can go on a little bit much, because people just start giving thanks for every damn thing. Right, right, depending on how big your family is, or how devout they are. Yeah, how devout, or definitely what race they are, because there are some Hispanic moms that can carry on a prayer for a good three minutes and let the food go cold. (laughs) 
Right, right. <laughs> How many relatives would you guys say you have that you literally only see at family events a couple times of the year? All of them. I mean, that's not a number, but all of them. I mean, that's pretty much the only time I ever see Yeah, them. I would say only holidays is when I get together with my family. Uh, I used like to be at closer. all, in general? Yeah, well, with my whole family, but we, I mean, we all get together, like everybody comes. I mean, I used to be closer with my cousins, like we would go out of the way, like maybe during, I guess like the holidays, but also during like summer break and just random times in the year, we'd hang out and I'd always have a fun time with my uh, my cousin, my bumpkin uh, cousins that live out in Arkansas. It was always kind of fun riding around on four wheelers. Yeah. Arkansas, Arkansas. It's, it's like almost Texas. Yeah, it it wants to be Texas so bad, but it isn't, and that's that's a shame. Roads there suck. Like Texas roads are the best roads you're probably ever gonna drive on because we have such a large budget for the roads because they're almost constantly being worked on. If you're on a shitty road, more than likely in less than five years they're gonna be repaving that road. Yeah, Louisiana was pretty bad too. I oh, do yeah. remember that from our uh, spring break trip senior year. You know why we have such good roads? Because of what you just said. Okay, but there was also a president that made it that way. Uh, LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, whenever he became president, he noticed that we had some pretty shitty roads, and then he wanted to make sure that we never had shitty roads. So he made sure that we had some of the finest roads in this damn country. Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, L.A., you know, like some of the Mm -hmm. busiest roads in L.A., the 405, the 101 going through yeah probably some of the the roughest terrain i've been on in a motor vehicle and it's you know six lanes on either side yeah i mean you know i guess you know you got to have good suspension there in that state i mean i bet you whoever works on them he's got a fat pocket yeah i'm pretty sure everyone around that general area has fat pockets yeah i mean well it is what it is that they do earn a lot of money over there in that state but they do spend a lot of money as well things are definitely priced differently from here versus there I'm assuming a gallon of gas uh, here right now is about 2.77 as of recording. That's what I filled up yesterday, uh, last night at a gas station. I'm assuming over there it's probably like 3.20. Uh, no, I saw 4.92 at multiple gas stations. Good lord. For regular, like the cheapest. Gas? Yeah, no, regular gas. Diesel's cheaper. Really? My yeah. lord. Diesel's probably like 3.80 and gasoline 4, 4.80, 4.90. I saw it the whole time I was there. Hmm. That's wild. Yeah, it's a, it's just complete insanity. I'd walk. I'd I mean, walk everywhere. I mean, that, that's why McDonald's workers there make like 15 bucks an hour compared right, to like 10 right. bucks here. Yeah, minimum wage in San Francisco is like 13. Yeah, I think the states is 12 compared to ours. Right, right. But I mean, mm-hmm. I personally feel like you'd be in extreme poverty if you made less than like 35. Anywhere around those major cities. Most of the contractors I worked with in LA, they're all from Nevada. They drove across the border like two plus hours to get to work. And then what a I, I can only imagine what it took to get home because that was just in the morning. Yeah. And y'all probably get off like at five o'clock. Right. Right. And I mean, like you, you don't go anywhere. Jesus. Like you have to plan your route accordingly. And... Oh, Kyle. Is that Miss Slink? Yes. The line is buzzing. I'm just going to. She's oh, gonna be so mad. Oh. Well, I don't. I don't know how much longer we have left in the episode either, so I don't. I don't want to. Uh, right now we're about forty-three minutes in. Uh, I, I say we can. We can wrap it up in the next five. Okay. Yeah. So then. Yeah. She'll. She'll live. She'll live. She'll be okay. You hear that, folks? Kyle 
turned down his girlfriend for the podcast. That's a true friend right there. That's how I know he's he's one of my best friends. Priorities. No, I'm <laughs> Men are talking. Oh my goodness. She's determined. I'll she give said, her that. Please tell me you're listening to Rob and Kyle do this podcast. She's probably Bitch, I'm on like this watching podcast. us on camera right now and we don't even know it. Oh yeah, I Kyle. Be surprised. She's got the place bugged. I would not be surprised. It's probably in that stupid little cattle thing. There's like a hole that has a camera. She can see and hear everything. It's a very convenient hole. Right. It's almost like a bullet hole. Oh. It's literally actually what it is. Oh, really? Yeah. They didn't slit Bessie's throat. They just yeah, put I'm a bullet sure, in her head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure PETA would not appreciate this cow skull. Mm. So what are your thoughts on PETA then as, as an organization as a whole? Agree to disagree, really. It's like they're just... There, it's one thing to like uh, believe, you know, like animals have these like certain precautionary rights, which is like it's mm-hmm. reasonable in, in a sense it is. But there's a reason at the same time that we're on top of the food chain and we are what we are. Because personally feel like if it wasn't us eating them, it would 150% be the other way around and it would be them eating us. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you never heard of the terror birds. Those things were massive Right, things. right. Yeah, you go back into the prehistoric times, it's like, you they were, know, They were eating men. humans. Yeah, yeah. They, they probably had no problem with they whatever they pickings. picked off. So we're saying, like, you know, you're just going to bow down to them and, you know, roll over. Be like, <laughs> all right, you know, dinner's ready. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care how the hell the piece of chicken gets on my dinner plate, you know, as long as it, it tastes like a good piece of chicken. Right, right. But I'm also not saying that there's that they don't we are, rights. like, without a doubt, 100% locked in top of the food chain. There are some extremely scary animals out there. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we live in a society where we don't keep a lot of those animals around and uh, they're in zoos for a reason. Right, right. But like then, if the equator ever flips and, you know, Texas becomes like this subarctic place, like I'm leaving. There's yeah. no way I'm going to be within a thousand miles of a polar bear. There's no way. There's yeah. no way. Those are probably some of the scariest animals out there. And Definitely. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're endangered yeah. and I'm terrified of them. They'll see you definitely before you see them. Yeah, yeah. They're like one of the only known animals to actively hunt human beings that is incredible it's it's an animal to respect i give it that Uh, no respect whatever you want to call it respect at like a good distance really good distance i'm talking like miles Uh, i'm talking behind a screen Uh, i'm in my house yeah i'm I'm good with seeing them on tv like i have no desire to go into their domain whatsoever Mm -hmm. they are like probably top of the food chain as far as like wild animals go all right, talking about animals, what do you think the most badass animal there is out there? I'll give you time to dwell on that. I kind of have an answer myself. Uh, I believe it's like, and this isn't based on size or anything. This is based on your personal opinions of what animals do the best, of what they do, and how they operate, how successful they are at getting their kills, because that's just the way it works. You know, they kill, they eat, they survive. That, that's, you know, that's natural. I think, in my personal opinion, one of the most badass animals has to be, uh, I don't know if it's a hawk or a falcon or what, but it's those birds that can dive bomb like at 200 miles an hour and like just go straight into the ocean and get a fish. I think those things are incredible. Like just at the speeds that they're traveling at, just hitting the water. I believe they hit the water. You could, you could fact check me on it, but I believe they hit the water at that speed and just 
just get a fish out of the water. Right, right. So it's just sheer sheer accuracy, though, is what what impresses you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the eyesight know. too to be able to see that through the water. Yeah, I mean, because you know, I can't see three feet. I mean, well, depending on the water, you can't see that deep into the water. Yeah, well, even you with know, polarized. Not in the state of Texas, no. Like, yeah, you got to go pretty far to find some clear water. Yeah, and then like you know how the way the water works or whatever that it's not in that exact spot that you think it is. And the and the the bird knows that it knows exactly where it is, in relative terms to the way it's displayed. Okay, so I'm curious on your answer, Alex. What was what's your like most badass animal or deadliest? Uh, in your opinion, in like your the opinion, coolest animal. Coolest animal doesn't have to be the most deadliest because you know that that would go to like a snake or something. Well, um, I would say my favorite animal uh-huh. is a lemur. Ooh, good ones. Agumafu. Okay. Yes, dude. Feeling that was it? my favorite show growing up. As okay. A kid. Uh, now, how does it? I mean, I mean, do the, are they omnivores? Are they herbivores? They. I think they eat bugs and like berries and stuff. Right. So omnivores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, they eat uh, both plants and animals. Yeah, many meats. I just always loved the way they jumped around, like all sideways. The movement. The yeah. movement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they do have a, way, a particular way of. Uh, getting from place to place and it is entertaining to see i mean do you think you'd be scared of one if if you saw one in real life like if it was doing its like sideways jump at you absolutely not yeah no i wouldn't be scared but then as far as deadliest animal i'd say an orca whale oh that's a good one too they kill for pleasure they kill for pleasure yeah they don't even kill for food. Yeah, no, dude, that's complete, metal as fuck. yeah they're completely known to just go like murder something in the ocean and leave it Wow. Well, I mean, sharks got to eat too. Right, right. I, I, I highly doubt it gets to the sharks at that point. Right? It probably just sinks to the bottom and it goes to the scavengers. You don't think that when the shark shows up, like all the fish are like, oh shit, never mind, he's eating. To an extent, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If if I was a if I was like a bait fish, right? So like an anchovy yeah. or anything like that, I'd be more terrified of like the streamlined fast fish that school you up in those bait balls that everybody else feeds on Mm -hmm. those are the ones i'd be scared of because yeah there's safety in numbers that thing is going to pick you out of the crowd you know before you even know it Mm -hmm. regardless of you know like a big brute shark like that just like sweeps in with this mouth open like that's kind of easily avoidable it's not avoidable sailfish you know you know cruising in the background and then you know comes at you at 70 miles an hour exactly yeah just just picks you out man it's wild yeah no he's got his eyes on you like that entire way like that's way more terrifying and and my if i was a fish yeah i mean thinking about the size of their eyes those things are massive right right like I, I could only imagine how much light they're taking in. I mean, you know, I don't know how much light my stupid eye is taking in, but I can only imagine the amount of visual information that's coming in for a fish with an eye that big. Right, right. Or the fact that like there's absolutely no outrunning it, avoiding it. Uh-huh. It's just the matter of if it decides to eat you or not. Now, do those fish fear their own kind? Like, like do they fight? On a regular basis, do you think? I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure they're like really like solo hunters, like mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of those things where it's like you know so you, you never social... meet your parents type deal. Oh, okay. So they're not, they're not a social fish in no, any way. No, I don't think they've ever been known to hunt in packs. Or I mean, they like got to mate eventually. I guess that's right, kind of right. social. I don't but... even know if that's been studied. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Sir David Attenborough give his little speech about that style of fish. He's the guy that does all the Blue Planet stuff. Right, right. That That's going to be, you know, something insane to record. Shout out to those people. Those oh, yeah, people that, are that the water. go out there for a year. Yeah, hours and Sitting hours. behind a camera 
absolutely still. And then you throw that on top of the ocean being in the water, like completely out of a human's element. Can't imagine how they get some of that footage or the lengths they have to go through to get that footage. Mm-hmm. I bet you that job pays pretty damn well, too, for what you're doing and, you know, the risk. Yeah, I definitely would say so. All right, uh, Kyle, let's go ahead and get to your animal. Okay, so we're doing the like our favorite and most deadliest, or uh, well, I mean, I kind of asked what do you think the most I get not deadly but most successful killer, and that comes to mind for you. But I mean, we can change it to whatever you want. That comes to mind for me. Okay, so like I'm I'm going land based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally gonna have to be like all I can think about when we talk about this this type of animal is just mm-hmm. something that I'm like terrified of. So it'd yeah. be like a jaguar or a tiger. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know which one's more endangered. Uh, they're both, like, extremely <laughs> scary. The fact that a jaguar can just, like, instantly crush your head. All right, I'm hungry. Just now, crush your head with its bite. Question, what were the two cats again? It was a jaguar and a tiger. I think the jaguar beats the tiger. You think so? In Endangered? <clears throat> uh, not in endangered. I mean, like, in a fight. Like, if we were to pit the two against right, each other, right. I think the jaguar might win. But tigers are equally as terrifying. You wouldn't even know you walked by one. Right, Especially right. And, the, and they're the orange jungles. and white stripes, and you'd never see one. Yeah. just Unless instantly. they wanted you to see it, obviously. I, I, I'd i rather just go unwillingly if it was me. I'd rather not see it. Not see it coming, not even give a little chase. Nothing. Yeah, no, no. He can, I mean, he can have me if he went to that length already. Just thinking about how like lightly they step and how quiet they are. you Because know, you think of a house cat and how quiet that thing is. Imagine like... Something that's like six, eight hundred pounds, and it's it's just stalking you so successfully, unknowingly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just you'll never see it coming. Yeah, I I don't know that that those animals to me it's like those people that like travel to mm-hmm. you know Indonesia and stuff like that to go see them. Nah, you got I'm some nads, man. You got some big old balls. Yeah. If you can go do that. the zoo's even scary to be honest. I don't care if those things are tamed you know like they're fed you know sticks of ribs and stuff like that i don't care no they live for the hunt man you can't take instinct out of an animal no no if that thing you know got out and was just like it came to the realization of like yeah i got nothing to lose there's no telling the chaos that could conspire yeah because because if it wanted to it's going to get out from that moat or whatever you know like we can engineer it the way we want but if it really wants to it's going to get out oh yeah I mean, it is what it is. There's just no way. There's no way I would even desire to come face to face with like any one of those animals. Yeah. To think that we used to hunt stuff like that, like a saber tooth, like a man with a sharp stick tried to take down an an apex predator. It's just amazing to think about. Right, right. Same thing with like, you know, making those species endangered, you know, but besides the fact of like, you know, us taking over their habitat and stuff like that, you know, cutting down the forest or whatever, the fact that people went out of their way to deliberately hunt it down because it was so dangerous is those, imagine like the crew of men, you know, mm-hmm. just like, hey, uh, we're going to go hunt a tiger. So, uh, you enter what? You like, enter what? <laughs> who, who wants to be that guy? Not me. <laughs> I do not I, want to be I the mean, guy. I mean, I'm assuming they got paid well, but then I think about, like, they probably got paid shit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, considering. For a, a few villagers or whatever, and you got your one white guy that wants to go kill some big cats. Yeah, I mean, ten guys with a gun could potentially be three guys coming back home, but they killed a tiger. Score it's the realization you come to. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we went out, right? Yeah, yeah. We won out in that situation. Yeah, I mean, over time, yeah. 
because I mean we we killed the shit that they ate too. I mean, and just fucked up the balance. And then the, the, eventually there was infighting. I imagine you know with having so little territory that the, have to uh, fight each other for the little bit of land that we left them. Yeah, in a sense. You could say, like, a tiger was bred down to eventually become a domestic house cat. And then you could, you know, go backwards from how it was bred down. Mm -hmm. You know how, like, domestic house cat tongue is like sandpaper? Yeah, yeah. So, like, a tiger's tongue is literally so rough, it can lick flesh completely off the bone. What? That is crazy. Right. So like their tongues, I don't want to say serrated because that's the wrong Uh, word. Coarse. Yeah. So, but it's coarse enough to remove flesh from the bone. That's fucking crazy to think about. Yeah. So like, I mean, just think about the the next time your cat's loving on you, just think about it licking your neck and then all of a sudden you're chilling, gone in a pool of your own blood. Yeah. I mean, you're just sitting there waiting for, for death to come take you. I mean, that's. Animals are cool. How crazy like evolution works to where they became the end product of a bunch of trial and error. Yeah, fight and, for survival. Yeah, and, and just they got that one niche, that one thing that made them them. Yep. Subaquatic reptiles too. Alligators, crocodiles, both terrifying in oh, their yeah. own way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine living in Florida and how used to, Fuck to that, gators dude. and stuff like that you'd right, be. Right, right. Like, they talk about it jokingly, but... In my eyes, where there's a three foot one, there's a twelve foot one. That's, yeah, that's, you know, is the next door neighbor's over uh, baby calf problem. Mm-hmm. That that's what that's what I think of when I think of that. And you know, crocodiles in general, it's like absolutely not, no way, no way. Something that on average gets to twenty feet. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Well, even the baby ones, they can do fucking damage to you if you let them. Yeah, those little babies. And they got a fucking hell of a grip, too, with their bite. Like, I mean, just imagine, like, they got a good chomp on your arm, and you're trying to pry it off. You might need a second pair of hands to get it off you. There's no prying it off. Anything that would, like, decide to bite you, you're not getting that arm back. Well, they have, like, the strongest bite recorded or something like that. Yeah, they have the strongest bite force, I think, in history. It's it's Jaguar, dude. Oh, the Jaguar? Jaguar is the strongest bite in the animal kingdom. Well, they got one of the higher-up ones, for sure. I mean, you know. I think I, there was a story, some lady at the, at the, not the zoo, but it was like a wild cat reserve, something that this lady was telling us. And she was like, there was one case where they found, um, it was one jaguar that took on like seven adult lions, killed them all. The lion goes in for, I guess not the kill, but to hurt. But no, that jaguar goes in for the kill every damn time. Right, right. And in reality, this jaguar was probably defending its kill, which was probably like a 40 pound gazelle. Yeah. So yeah, this jaguar, no fucks given, a- absolutely none. It, he was like, oh okay, that, and then it was over. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a great episode, a great episode four, I think. I don't know what title I'm gonna come up with. Maybe you guys might help me after the show and decide what the title of the episode will be. Definitely glad I had you on, Alex. I had definitely glad I had you on, Kyle. Is there anything you guys want to plug here at the end? You want anyone to follow you on social media or just any final comments? Go ahead. Anything you want to tell the listeners? Uh, I just really love being here. Hope I get to do it again. It was a pleasure having you on, man. Yep. Yeah, no, solemnly agree. I hope this isn't just like some kind of short-term fad that that happens and then... Yeah, because I'm known for that. I'm I'm very known for that. that. You didn't hear that from me. (laughs) I don't know how long I want to keep the podcast going. 
Uh, if I could carry this over a year, that would be a hell of a milestone. I don't know how long I'll personally be keep editing the videos. I might have to end up outsourcing that to someone else. If somehow we could get some, you know, money for the podcast. I'm not asking for money, but I'm saying, you know, I might end up setting up a Patreon. You know, you just give me like a, a dollar. A dollar would help. You know, I mean, what's one dollar to you, you know? Again, if you guys want to send us any topic ideas, anything you want to discuss, maybe there might be even a way I can get you on the show, send in voice clips or whatever, send that over to the robcastbcs at gmail.com, or you can DM my Twitter and Instagram, which is the same name, the robcastbcs. Thanks guys for listening. Hope you have a good rest of your day. I don't know if you're listening to this on your way home or if you are just chilling out listening. This episode is going to be released on Friday, which you'll know because you're listening to it on Friday. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening, and peace.